Welcome, everyone, to episode two of this season's bonus feature series as Josh and I break down season by season the greatest show I've ever seen in my life, The Sopranos. Josh, if you don't mind, close your eyes. Join me under the Tuscan sun for a little musical cue. Eyes closed. Oh, Andrea Bocelli joins us on this week's episode. This song isn't just for Carm. It happens like three times in the season. Yes, but it's Carm's song, man. It's Come like on. every woman's song in the show. <laughs> I'm turning it off. Thank you, okay. Andre. Andrea. Andrea, Mr. Bocelli. Anyone, every, anyway, thank you for joining us. Josh, this is a hell of a season. The first season, we got to meet the fam. We got to meet the crew. We kind of got a taste of what we're in for. An arc carried over from last week that I'm, or last season that kind of gets conclusion this season. I'm going to ask you to break that down for us. Christopher's arc and his arcs. No, the pussy arc. <laughs> okay, yeah, the pussy arc. It, I like it. We... <laughs> Okay, listen, I can't, it, if, we're, if his name is Pussy, it's going to be followed by or preceded <laughs> by other words. I mean, what's your, what's your friend's name? Booty? His name is Pussy. Pussy. We get more in-depth oh. into the dream world. There's yes, an assassination attempt. Oh. And we get Furio. Yeah, uh, baby. Furio yes, in his golden season and his glorious fucking shirts. Those are Ugh. some glossy, those are some high gloss department mm. store Italian authentics. I fucking love Furio. One of my favorite characters. I'll let you have a moment with Furio in just a little bit. We get to go to Italy. Tony dodges two legal bullets. Mm. Christopher does not dodge bullet. He ends up no. in Catches a few. Potentially at uh, his family's personal hell, uh, the Emerald Piper. <laughs> it's, it's a St. Patrick's Day, or it's an Irish bar where every day is St. Patrick's Day. Oh, so good. Well, Forever. I, we're kind of flying by the seat of our pants on this episode. I'm excited to, to, to try it that way. Would you mind, please? I feel like you have a real hold on the pussy arc. Will you break it down? Catch us up. What happened at the end of season one? Let us know what we're walking into in season two, and just uh, go all the way to the end if you dare. Maybe take us all the way to the end of season two. I don't know. Just break it down for us, please. Yeah, sure. Yeah. So basically, let's go back to last season. Last season, Tony knows that he has a rat in his crew, and he suspects at first that it is pussy. But then Jimmy Altieri gives some good reason— <laughs> There's gonna be background music while you're breaking it down. So. Uh, my my bad. I didn't I didn't catch the. Uh, so anyway, it, the Tony suspects Jimmy Altieri. He kills him. Pussy disappears because he thinks he's gonna get whacked. And then beginning season two, Pussy comes back, explains he's been in Puerto Rico because he had this back injury. Uh, and but he needs he's coming back. He needs to earn yada yada. 
brings him back in the fold, but Pussy is, in fact, informing for the FBI, and he's wearing a wire at select times, and Pussy does really have a, a strange arc because he goes through this, like, it's like he gets uh, Stockholm Syndrome, and he starts trying, he tries yeah. to be, like, an FBI agent for a little bit. Like, he thinks that if he helps them good enough, maybe he can be part of that crew because he's starting to realize, like, that he fucked up, like, you know... Something that was difficult for me to understand, I had to look up on like some fandom wikis, is exactly what happened for him to become an informant. I think we talked touched on it last episode too, but but he, he was selling heroin. Heroin, yeah, but, but to pay for his kid's school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We talked about yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, so uh, you know, he he's he knows that he's. So at first, and as we go through the season, he's kind of alienated himself. He feels, you know. Like Tony's putting him down a lot and not and passing him over for things, um, and then then that's when he starts to get this like idea that he's gonna be a part of the FBI somehow, and is finally his his handler is just like, no, dude, you're a criminal and you're going to jail. <laughs> you're gonna go to jail for a little while, and then you're gonna get out and you're gonna go be like the head of some company in Nowheresville, you know. And so then. Once he realizes that, he's like, then he starts reminiscing and feeling bad that he's like ratted on all of his friends. And he's like sobbing at AJ's confirmation, like telling him how good of a, a dude Tony is. And, and, uh, you know, I think P Pussy's story culminates in the finale of the season. And I'm just going to go ahead on the record right now and say, I think that's the best episode of TV that's ever been made. Is that, that, finale that episode is to me is amazingly just top-notch tv and basically what happens is tony gets food poisoned and through these vivid fever dreams that he has his subconscious tells him that he knows pussy is an informant and tony like snaps out of the fever goes to pussy's house deflects him finds the wire takes him out on a boat and him and Polly and Syl, like it's it's it was just so I don't even I, I was trying to figure out the words to describe it. It's it's like you, you it's almost like soldiers like executing someone a deserter or something treason or yeah, yeah, yeah. or something is how it feels. But then it's also like the three they of give them, them a are, drink. Yeah, and the three of them are doing it, and you like there's the way they because the acting in the show is so good, and the way that it's so like we talked about last time, so natural. And we'll talk about that as long as we do this this whole yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. But uh, there's something in their body language where it's like it had to be the three of them, and all three of them had to pull the trigger at the same time, and all three yes. of them had to do it together. It couldn't have just been one of them. They had to do it together. And Tony had to find the fucking wire. He had to see the wire. He had to see it. And then he had to have Pussy tell him to his face yeah. before he did anything. And 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 I think it is a crazy arc. And quite frankly, you know, just because Pussy's dead and in a bag under the sea, that does not mean we've seen the last of Pussy's presence in this show. Oh, we won't. You know, He's... I mean, I haven't actually gotten that far but past this, but from what I recall, he pops back up in the, in the subconscious. He does. Can we go back and t talk about the dream? Because yes, please. Especially the, there's a lot to break down. There's the um, the Parisi twin that was shot earlier in the season. Yeah, like a uh, uh, you know, a dead body essentially resurfacing in the dream. They're on the boardwalk in Jersey. Um, but the one thing that stuck out to me is Sill is famous in the gang of doing his 
Michael Corleone impression, which ironically sucks. Like it's not good. It's not like, good. It's but terrible. I think that's the. But they part. love it. Yes. And in the dream, he's dressed in Michael Corleone's cardigan, and he says, yes. "He says uh, that our true enemy has yet to reveal himself." Yes. Which is like the famous line yeah. in two. Um, so he's that's kind of like sweater on, and he comes. Yeah. Tra- we talked about it last time. He comes tracking in. Yeah. Like not it's, not walking and just sliding, and he's like, "Yeah, it's oh yeah, fucking it, it's." Yeah, those dream sequences, even like that, the tracking thing, and then him talking to the fish that is Pussy's voice, and he's like, you lost some weight. How much do you weigh? He goes, eight pounds. Like, (laughs) it's so funny and weird, but like those dream sequences, that's what dreams are like. Yeah. It's random. It's the most like accurate. Yeah. Yeah, Like when they're sitting there on that boardwalk. They're like. Yeah. yeah, and they're sitting there on that boardwalk, and they're all – it's like they're everybody is there, and they're all having a dialogue as a group of people, right? But nobody is responding to anything that the other person said. They're all just saying – it's like they're all having, con- like, separate conversations that are overlapping, and Tony is, like, in all of them, you know? And they're all popping off at one time. And it is very – you know, and then there's Junior, like through the windows with his big eyes, like looking yeah. like watch out, you know, like it, it's, it's, it is, it's a lot like dreams. And it's uh, I, something I wanted to say is like, I get you. And I guess it's because it's dreamlike, but it's, it's David. It reminds me of David Lynch, but because sure. David Lynch also gets that about dreams, how dreams are like a road that just a chunk drops out and your brain doesn't know yeah. how you, you don't know how you got past that. You don't know how you got through the forest. You just like you look back and you're like, I just passed the forest, you know? So it's that kind of thing that they grab. Yeah. Yeah. So the other big thing that's happening is Tony's gotten some more control. Junior's in jail. Tony's the fucking boss now, dude. Tony's yeah. the boss now. It's and and I was gonna say, like, to me. My thing for the first season was it was Tony versus Junior, basically. For, for this is the struggle for who's gonna be who. You know, I think this season is is when we are. I think this is when the story of Tony starts, like at where we know Tony. You know what I mean? Yeah. We had to get a little backstory, and like we said, the first season really is a big introduction to all these characters and their way of life and their families and like how they interact and shit. And it's almost like now our narrative is really. You know, the horses are running at full steam. You know, yeah. we're kind of moving. Yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of where, like, the the power struggle, that story of a power struggle is at um, for this season. And it really doesn't really go. And, like, Junior goes into house arrest. That's where we're introduced to Bobby Bacala, who's fucking enormous. And that's- Oh, my God. Okay. Wait, 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 wait. Why don't you look at a mirror, you fat fuck? Dude, okay. What? If I were you, I would seriously consider salads. He's like watches him get out of the car, and it's like, it's- but Bobby goes when he says that. Bobby goes, "What?" He's like, "What?" <laughs> he has no idea what he's saying. Because Bobby, why stop leaning on my car so you so you don't tip it over? I know, right? And then after Tony leaves, he's like alone. He's like playing it all back in his head. And he's like, "Won't you look in a mirror, you fat fuck?" Like. And he, it's so funny because Bobby is like he is that guy that's just like he gets play- fleshed out more so in the series. Like he gets sure. some more airtime, but when he first comes along, he's just kind of like this bumbling Goofy. idiot. Yeah. One yeah. of my favorite quotes is with Bobby when uh, Bobby's trying to be like a broker between Junior and Tony, but Tony has usurped Junior at this point. Like 
it's junior has no power he was outsmarted in a couple situations and he's the one in fucking house arrest right so bobby tries to lay this like uh, uh diplomatic line when he's leaving bada bing and he's like he goes uh-huh. uh, to the victor <laughs> go he says it really awkward awkwardly though he's like to the victor sh- should go to the spoils or something like that and tony looks at him and he goes why don't you get the fuck out of here before I shove your quotations book up your fucking ass? <laughs> <laughs> so fucking good. That is so one of the that's one of the better moments. It really is. Shove no your shit. Quotations book up your fucking ass. Oh god. Uh, so there's another kind of reoccurring theme I want to touch on. Um, there, uh, there's always a couple new gang mem- members each season. Yeah. And there's always a uh adversary that is also an equal or is challenging tony for power that's looking for mm-hmm. some shit mm-hmm. it happens like every season on this show this mm-hmm. season we get introduced to a very interesting character and i love this dude's performance i think he's really fun to watch yeah it's rich and that's richie april yep it's it is fun to watch it's absolutely fun to watch I think he's it, a great performer and like i i like reading like i like hating him he's a total asshole but he's he's really good with James Gandolfini. He is. He's so much shorter than him, but he's such like a little bulldog. Yeah. I really like Richie's character, even though he's like he's an adversary. I, I yeah. when he when I realized remember that it was Richie's season, I was like, yes, I fucking hate Richie. I, I, yeah, I know, I know, right? It's uh no, Richie does have some great moments. I mean, it's the jacket. I mean, he yeah. just he nails that shit so fucking good. Um. I just think I get, it is a motif. You know, we have Mikey in the first season who was Junior's, like, number two guy who was kind of this, like, you know, arrogant, yeah, like, double-crossing kind of guy. And then this season you get Richie, you know, who's trying to stir shit up just because he doesn't like the way Tony's doing things, which, you know, that's a theme that I've picked up on in this rewatch is there's a lot of people who really just aren't satisfied with the way Tony decides to do things, you know? I mean, his yeah, main crew is, but there are others who aren't. But I think that's I, just the life, right? Well, speaking as someone who knows, no, I think what you just said is correct. That's the mob life. Like, heavy, heavy lays the crown. You know, like, I just, <laughs> it's a, it's like a violent life, and like people want the power, and like, I don't know. I don't think it's a really. My personal opinion is that motif reoccurring isn't like. A, an opinion on Tony's leadership skills. I just think it's a part of. Well, well, I think, yeah, I mean, I think you're you're right. Like, I mean, there's always somebody who's gonna take take and think they can do it better, especially yeah. if they're a little older, like Richie is, you know. But well, Richie's been in the can for a few years, for like a decade, I think. Yeah. And he comes out and he just expects everything to go be normal. Like the dude tries to pick up his old lines, like his pickup lines of people around the neighborhood that that owe him money for protection stuff. He just immediately starts going to these old businesses. Beansy, fucking poor Beansy, man. Yeah, right. Cripples gets the guy. A, gets a coffee pot smashed over his face and then cripples oh. him. Basically, what I have written down for Richie is too much, too fast. Like, well, Richie, uh, what? With with Richie, for me, the the look, man, the the toxic chemical that gets mixed with Richie is Janice. Oh my goodness, Janice. God, I mean, fucking Janice. Oh, Tony's sister, Janice, and. She, it's like there are times like when you first meet her, you're like, okay, maybe I do like her. Maybe she's like reasonable. And then you immediately learn, no, no she's I never just like a, her. She's like a completely like double face. Party? Like, yeah. Yeah. Right. And, and just, oh man, I don't know. Like, 
the, the prime example is when Meadow throws the fucking crazy party. And I guess she, and she, she's like, you guys are just mad at her because you want her to be independent. And now she exercised some of her independence and you don't agree with her decisions. And then she goes to the house, sees it, comes storming back in. That fucking spoiled rotten little brat. She should have to clean it up. And Carm just straight debos her. She's just like, oh, I butt love out. that. Like, butt out. And then right? Carm takes it to the next level, which, because that's at that oh. moment, Richie. Richie and Jackie have just started getting together. And yeah, Carm is right. like, and Carm just like literally like puts her down, laughs at her like with her hand out, and just goes, I can't even look at you. <laughs> and I, walks away. I know. It's, no, it's such a fucking, oh, it's like, okay. That that Edie Falco, Carmela Soprano fucking own of Janice is like one of the greatest TV owns of all fucking time. I mean, seriously, because she's she's talking shit because she's messing with Richie and she's like, oh, I'm supposed to take advice about women's liberation from you. Like, I can't even take you fucking seriously. Scoff. It's great. Yeah, I love Carmela, dude. But okay. Oh, go ahead. Can I just do a quick little Carm? What is up with Carmela and always having some man she's crushing on? And also, how the Vic. fuck did we omit Father Phil from our previous episode? Because he's terrible. But how fu- that fucking hilarious communion scene that's like, yeah. Anyway, Carmela always has a dude that she's like vicariously fantasizing about. You know what I mean? And Vic is that guy. Vic is like, he reminds me of Mike Rowe. <laughs> I get it. Yes. Yes. A little bit more, a little bit more Don't like be. made for TV, you know? Yeah. Like Lifetime yeah. style. Yeah. Oh, I think that guy's been in some Lifetime movies. <laughs> I think, I think that's too. a safe fucking bet. About some like porn addiction or something. Anyway. So, yeah. So Carmela gets some work done. Her friend's sister on the house, rather, not her, not herself. Um, <laughs> and she meets this, <laughs> this carpenter guy and they have a little almost thing. And it, they, <laughs> I'm glad that Carmela has like her heart of flutter, but she kind of like leans into it. She tries to like have a conversation with the guy. She doesn't understand until a friend gets real with her. And she's like, yeah, honey, he's terrified of your husband has nothing to do with you. Right. And, and Carm realizes once again that she's, she's stuck. Well, I mean, she, she does. And here's a thought I had about Carm. Cause I commented last episode about how she, uh, it, one of my favorite parts of the show is watching the like dichotomy that she is inside of herself. Like this, like I want to be religious, but I'm uh, married to this gangster and I know how to help him clean guns out of the attic. And I know where all this comes from, but I still love God and I'm trying to be good. You know, that whole thing. But yeah. then you think that she's going to be this character that has this redemption. But then at the end of this season, she gives to, I mean, all this bullshit, right? He fucking buys her a fur coat she fucking throws it down on him. Well, She's happy. Yeah. It's like, I love you, hunky-dory. Like, this is my She's life, a, you know? She's a part of the game, too. I She's, know, I know, What man. is What is that scene, which I want to get to for a different reason later, but when Tony's drunk and he and Meadow comes home. Oh, that's a great scene. Uh, let's talk about it later, but, but Meadow says, you know, we're all hypocrites sometimes, Dad. And I think that kind of sums up the conflict that the family going through and and even in that like meadow doesn't give a fuck like at first she's pissed that her dad gets arrested in front of him later for the the airline tickets and stuff but later she's like i don't care what people think and if they do if they do judge me for it i'll cut them out and 
Well, I was going to say to connect to that, I mean, to because that was one of the things I was going to say about the Vic storyline because you know that falls apart because of his nephew's dad davy who's a fucking gambling addict and like tries to go into tony's executive name fucked yeah dude he blows his whole life and like also that's a beautiful like that could be a documentary about how like racketeering works when you get into debt to like you know organized crime yeah that's what they they bust out that's what it's it's like almost a pictionary version yeah uh let's talk about davy yeah the and, guy from Terminator. What the fuck? The fuck? What a dynamic performer. <laughs> I mean, okay, job. the the biggest uh, The biggest byproduct of Davy's character's entire storyline in this season to me is the scene in which Tony gives Meadow his son's car. That is the whole reason for that storyline in the show to me. Again, to relate back because I think the show is more like a sitcom where everything is supposed to be. What is this life reflected back on this family, like this family and their experience? And I think that um, when he gives her that car and she realizes that it's her friend's car and he like blows up at her and he's like, where the, you know, how don't be basically, basically don't be fucking self-righteous. You know what I do. You asked me if I was in the mafia, you were cool with it. You thought it was this thing. And we were in on this secret. You know how all this comes to me. Don't try to act holier than thou when it's when it's when you are confronted with the publicity of it you know what i mean and i think that's a crucial moment for meadow which leads to that we're all hypocrites sometimes you know like yeah i still think that was that was a little too tactless and blatant (laughs) oh i agree i how how did he think she was gonna react yeah it was not okay i just meant that 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 part of the show is like a very crucial part i think oh, it was but, a very important moment know, totally. between like meadow and her family and that whole thing is is that like finally him blowing up and saying you know what the fuck i do and but it, and it, again it was fucking gross she rode in the car she rode in that car to school like frequently you yeah. know yeah fucked up anyway sorry don't want to drum on david is like the most annoying character after Janice. That guy's such a fucking idiot. Yeah, yeah. But he, he, I'm glad that you said. Yeah, he's a dad. He's an addict. Yeah, he is. But I love, I love that you brought up that it's like a picture perfect. It's like a textbook racketeering mm-hmm. situation, mm-hmm. and like the lean on the business and like how they get away, around it because it's in his wife's name, and and then, yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. I I could not have surmised that better myself. And then let's we already mentioned it, but the poker game. We get Frank Sinatra Jr. on the show. <laughs> yeah, I, that's pretty cool. Yeah. I love I cool. love still in that. Oh, dude. I love cheese in my feet. I'll put provolone in my socks at night. Like I it's that's one of my favorite still moments, dude. He just like he's in it and he just like blows up at this fucking kid. And it's well, like everybody you knows fucking come around me. Yeah, well, everyone knows it's like implied. Like, still, he's an angry gambler, yes. and Tony, Tony orchestrated that whole ga- like gaff. Like, Tony's a prankster. He's one of the boys. Oh yeah, he is. And he's back there smoking a cigar, like laughing. He knows exactly what's coming. Yeah, but that poker and because it, it shows like gambling and it, how easy it is to get addicted to it, and it causes tension between Richie and Tony because Richie's trying to get his cut because David and was Richie initially- fucked up again by disrespecting yeah. Tony and fucking putting his executive game that he worked hard to get. And it's like a legacy. 
It is yeah. a legacy. It was exactly. like it was it was Johnny Boy and, and Corrado's like back in the day. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and listen, little quick sidebar about Junior because I know we won't get time to mention this. It's such a little minor detail, but I loved because Tony and Junior reconcile this during this season. They become like close to one another kind of again. Like they're they're very civil and and so forth. But civil, uh, yeah. There's this scene where Junior falls and breaks his hip in the shower. And Tony has to come over and literally picks him up off the couch and is like carrying him through the house. And like, it's the, I just love that shot. I think it's beautiful. And after that moment, they kind of, they, they don't really have like major, major beef again. And like junior sides with him with Richie eventually and, and everything. So yeah, I don't know. Do you want to point that out? No, that was a good thing to definitely a good thing to bring up. The, the poker uh, saga also gives me one of my favorite quotes that I still use. like at work all the time. He uh, Tony falls asleep and and David keeps gambling and David keeps borrowing money from mm-hmm. everyone in the room, and no one knows that he's been strongly encouraged not to fucking get more in debt, and no one knows that Tony told him he doesn't win on in, in on this game, except yeah. Tony. Tony kind of fucks up that situation. I mean, it's, Tony ship, but he explains it. It's like the what is it? The frog and the scorpion. I mean, he tells yeah. him. Why did you let me play? It's in my fucking nature. I knew I was going to make money off of you. Like, what do you want me to fucking do? And I knew you owned the sporting goods store. Like, I'm not a fucking idiot. Like, it's in my nature. Yeah. How do you think um, I got that? So Tony Tony, <laughs> Tony comes to and he goes, how much is he in, in for? And Christopher looks at him and he says, 40 boxes of ZD. <laughs> I know. I love like a box of ZD is like $10,000 or whatever. <laughs> the other funny part is when they're having their meeting, Tony... Uh, he one of the two legal bullets he dodges and then David comes out and he's freaking out about the lien and how it's going to he's going to go to prison for fraud. And they're just like, go the back, go back in your hall, David. Get the because they're having like an illegal meeting or whatever. Yeah. But he's like, fuck you, David, get back in your hole. And he walks around the corner and Tony goes, you're doing a great job, David. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, a really funny moment. I know it is. It is really good stuff. Um, let's see. There was, I feel, is there something, there's something, there's something else that we're, is there something else we're missing in season two? I'm trying to, th- oh, dude. Oh, I'm not done. Acting. Oh, okay. My oh. bad. Go I'm for it. I'm controlling the, the narrative of this episode. My bad, man. My bad. So I think That's it's a good a time to touch. I think there's a, it's a good time to touch on the two instances that Tony kind of dodges. One is ties back into what you just alluded to is is a murder that pussy and Tony are involved in and someone sees them and they kind of, they have Tony's picture on file and they kind of point to him. It's like for a se- episode and a half, you're like, is Tony going to fucking prison? Yeah, I know. I know. But the way that's cleaned up is pretty clean. They just find out who it is after they get his name in the paper and they clip him. Yep. But the other one is fucking Livia again. Yep. It's with Olivia. the uh, the the airplane tickets. She's yeah. dude. One last fuck you, one last fuck you. And he's even telling his lawyer, he's like, "I fucked up." And his lawyer's, "No, no, it's not that bad." And he's like, "No, I fucked up. If I could have just stood there for another five fucking minutes and said, yes, ma, I know, ma, you know, but I couldn't. I fucking lost it.'" And it's like, it's right. It's like that woman is just sticking in him. Oh. The tickets are stolen, Anthony. Did you do this? Like, come on, get out of here. Yeah. Oh, she is. So, 
let's let's go. Let's talk about Christopher's arc and this season now. Mm. John so, so, so we talked about uh, a couple motifs that are that come up every season. There's always new. There's an adversary, and then there's always new like cronies, like bit players. And what Christopher gets in this season is two people that follow him around, and they're trying to get into the mob and shit. And they're fucking scumbag idiots. Such douchers, too. They Matt, suck. Matt, Sean. I'm Sean. I, I was trying to remember their names, and I was like, I don't even care. Matt and Sean. Fucking Brett Arm the Brave. And and- or something like that. It's just, I mean, I don't mean it. It's a beautiful name, but still, it's just that guy. Did you hear what I just said? Well, uh, No, I'm sorry. What was that? You could call them Brett from Arm the Brave and the other guy. <laughs> a big inside one there Ugh, moving on mm. so what happens is they're not getting treated right Furio yeah. comes and takes an extra g from them and they're like what the fuck yeah. and they try and talk to business with tony at the bada bing club in the bathroom and they're like yo richie doesn't like tony what are we gonna we could get in good with richie you know what we'll do we'll kill christopher what the fuck oh no great, I- Zin. great idea so christopher gets lit up he gets shot yeah. He, put, he puts a bullet in, I think it's Sean's head. I can't remember. Matt or Sean, one of the two. I don't know. Matt and Sean, Sean or Matt. Who knows? Fucking Boy Meets World and the other guy. Oh, Brett from I'm the Brave and Boy Meets World. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, it's there. It's so there. Um, but, you know, Chris gets one in, right? And then, you know, he's a tough guy. I mean, he puts through and he gets his button. Oh, fuck yeah. He gets his, he gets his button out of so, it. You know what I mean? So, yeah. So, so what happens is, is Christopher fights through. Christopher, he just has this moral fucking battle through the whole series. And in this one, he claims to go to hell and see uh, it's, his, it's his family's personal hell where his father is. And their family's personal hell is, a, is an Irish bar where it's St. Patrick's Day every day. And it's Forever. called the, Ember, the Emerald Piper. It's fun. Like, Tony and, and, good, and good. Ollie are laughing pa- at him. Like, well, and Paulie's like, it's his purgatory. No, big Tony's like, no, no, Paulie. It was an Irish bar. And it's just like, it was, he's like convinced it was fucking hell. But yeah. can, can I, are you going to talk about Paulie's psychic? experience because can i just give like a 30 seconds yeah, on that yeah please i mean me. that scene right that we were just talking about leads to, but is it Polly gets real hung up on this he gets real because i love when Polly gets hung up i know because chris first gives it was him, like, the espresso this, machine and yeah. now it's this shit <laughs> chris gives him this like specific message like three o'clock and Polly starts freaking the fuck out so he like goes to his girlfriend tells him to go to a psychic and he goes to the psychic and the fucking psychic is seeing like all these dozens of people that Polly's fucking whacked. Like he's like sensing them. He's calling them out by name and it's fucking freaking Polly the fuck out. Right. I mean, I, I, I fucking, you're right. Polly freaking out is the greatest stuff, but I love the way they take that. They plant the seed in Polly's head. He goes to the psychic freaks out. And then he goes from the psychic to his priest. And he's complaining to the priest that he's given so much fucking money over the years that he shouldn't have all these these ghosts around him. Like, I'm not giving you any more money. And he's so pissed off. It's just, I don't know. Polly is my shit, dude. I, I love, love Polly so much. Yeah. Uh, to wrap up 
uh, the Christopher segment, the yes. other uh, the other of Christopher's arcs that we get is John Favreau. He takes an acting class. And wait, so in the show, he takes the acting class, punches the dude, and like storms out of the room. Do you think that might have been modeled on the oh. whole James Gandolfini story? Yes, I do. Thank you. Connect yes, the do. dots. You planted the dots. I connected them. Oh! So, Christopher writes a screenplay, unbeknownst to Tony. Tony is not Had... happy about that. You gotta tell them about our thing? So anyway, Tony goes to Hollywood, try and make a motion picture with this hot redhead who just is, thinks he's sexy because he's a mobster and shit. Takes advantage of him. He's got a script that probably reads like a third grader wrote it. Cause let's get real. Christopher's just not all there in the, in the smarts. And we get this crazy segue into John Favreau territory. Yeah. Like Hollywood motion picture, giant director, fucking Iron Man, the Lion King swingers, cowboys and fucking aliens. John Favreau. And there's a great scene when they're in that hotel room going over this and, and, and Chris oh, yeah. scares him. And John does a great job acting in that scene. And so so does Michael Imperioli. Like, they're both killing it in that scene. Like, because John Favreau is, like, fucking terrified. He thinks that this, he, like, this guy could bash my fucking head in right now. Like, he knows it. And it's, like, all because he's pushing him. And he's, like, it's a soft tar roof. And he, like, yeah. grabs the paper and starts writing it down. But that's a tense scene, dude. I love that shit. That was a good, yeah. good shit. I love yeah, I don't. Really, I really don't like that that redhead gal. She's uh, yeah, not a big fan. She's in some Can other movie. Adam. Yeah, who cares? She's just got this mouth thing where she's like, whoa, whoa. Yeah, yeah. She's not into it. No. Um, I like. It's just the the. I just love that Adriana saved his screenplay and is like talking him up. Because she and fucking like, loves him. She loves him so fucking and he, much. And he treats her like shit. He in the restaurant. Okay. Gold moment, gold I love moment. What she yeah, yeah. Well, he's like, you're talking about all this food. Is this prosciutto? This is fava beans. This. He's like, I'm going fucking crazy. And Tony, oh goes, yes, this food. Tony goes, <laughs> I, you'll appreciate. He'll appreciate. You'll appreciate organic produce when you're married. It's the quote is, when you're married, you'll understand the importance of fresh produce. <laughs> <laughs> it's fucking gold, dude. Those, those lines, like that line, when it's a serious one or whatever, like it's always cut in like seamlessly. Like it, yeah. it you don't oh, see cut gold. Like Tony fucking means that. He does fucking mean that. You will understand the importance. You will. I it's think important. I know Yeah. Yeah, it's important. I know how to pick out my shit. I do too. Organic. That's how Organic. I buy things. What's up? What's up? Extra money. Um, so the last big moment to talk about. Uh, and then I want to do some time on Furio. But where we meet Furio yeah. is the motherland. Tony. Mm. Chrissy. Yep. Polly. Take Polly. a business trip to Italy to meet up with their their connection in Italy. The, Correct. The branch. It's mostly based on a uh a uh, a car enterprise, yes. Bringing to Italy, um, just a little backstory. It's calls it a business trip. Doesn't want Carm to come. Kind of bullshit. She gets her revenge in the end. Oh, she does. And by the end of the season, she, guess where she's going for three weeks. Oh yeah, not three days. Yeah, three, three weeks. Yeah, yeah. Fuck. You. So Can anyway, what? Continue, please. 
continue. No, what were you going to say? No, you please continue. So I have one open... favorite. Yes. Okay, continue. No, what's the favor? My, I have not a favor. I was going to say favorite part of the Italy trip, but you continue, please. Okay, we'll get to it. Uh, I just want to point out that Chris lasts about 10 seconds before he's fucking getting high. Dude, and in his arm, he, he spots, spots the track marks. He spots the, the track marks, and he's like, I'm gone. Yep, so Chris really isn't in Italy because he's getting fucking high in a hotel room with some stranger. But they had this really interesting experience where they they go to Italy. They probably Polly's never been, and all he wants is some fucking gravy. <laughs> They're like, "What the fuck are you talking about?" They thought the Germans macaroni and gravy, macaroni and gravy, macaroni and gravy, and it just I, that's that is that's my favorite part of the of the Italy trip. And it's like it just is so funny because it make it like makes you realize like that these guys in North Jersey their whole idea of being like a, a like a Italian American mafioso is like predicated on like <laughs> fucking Scorsese and Coppola films yeah, like and, they get there and guess what there's a woman boss the real boss is some babbling yeah. old fuck who only wants to talk say English or street names yeah. fam- famous street names in America in English like they, they beat up kids in the street, like just legit. Like, yeah, they're like these people are fucked up. It's a, yeah. it's a, it's an interesting vignette where so far Italy and Italian American culture has been glorified in the show, and then they go there, and I wouldn't say it's like some, it's not ruined, but they're just kind of like they get some perspective. They're oh, Paulie, like, yeah, Paulie is not a fan. He's not a fan of of yeah. Italy, and again, Chris is high the whole time, and Tony, I think. I think Tony does have like a weird. He has some moments with Italy. Well, he meets he that. Taken aback by the the female boss, you know. I was taken aback by the female boss. In fact, <laughs> it reminds me of a. Whenever I saw her, it reminded me of a. <laughs> that song is in that episode again. I'm just saying, it's a thing. Olive Garden circa 2004. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Andrea Bocelli. Um, one, one of my other favorite moments in this season, and Tony, we already touched on one, but Tony gets two moments with each, one moment each with each of his kids where he like is a good dad. And I, and I actually, I remember I texted you about it when it came across my lap while I was watching the one with Meadow, we touched on. Tony staying up late drinking. I I, I want to say bourbon, but that bottle looks like something you drink. Oh, my friend, that's Cavassier. Cavassier. That's what I say. That's cognac. That's what that's he's what drinking. And and he he tells Meadow. He says, you know, we always say that you just like your mom, but he says, Med, you're all me. You know, she's she's strong willed, cunning. She, Meadow gets what she wants. And it's just this really tender moment. Meadow's not mad that her dad's drunk. She's giving him shit to go to bed. He's calling her baby and stuff. It's just a really sweet moment. I love. And then That's the how it one- works. Yes, it's true. I mean, I've had that moment with a parent, or you know, before, like a little tipsy, just being real candid. But you're old enough to be like, yeah, okay, you're a little tipsy. It's okay. Love you, you too. Know? Love you too. Yeah. 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 And then the other one is uh, throughout the se- season. There's the Carmella pissed about the Gumar thing and t- wanting Tony to get a vasectomy and shit. And 
in a heated argument, it cuts over and AJ, he's not AJ yet, he's still Anthony Jr. He drops a, a, a glass thing of ZD all over the place. And Tony says, you want me to get a vasectomy when this is my male heir? What's the fucking matter with you? You just finished dinner an hour ago. And it really, AJ kind of sucks. Like, he doesn't get redeemed until, like, the last half of the last season of the show. But he's still his son. And Tony loves his son. And Tony apologizes to him. Brings him some pizza, some soda. It's just really tender. And he and apologizes I love- in a, like... In- in a very sincere way, which harkens back to something I was saying last episode, like Tony actually is a good father. Yeah. Like pe- people like there, there's a lot of talk of that in the show, but he exemplifies multiple things that make him like a far better father than a lot of people have. Because when he apologized to AJ, AJ's like, Oh, it's all right. Because he, it's awkward. They're having an yeah. awkward conversation. AJ wants it to end. And Tony's like, no, it's not all right. I should not have said that. And it's like, God Dude. damn it, I love it. What the I fuck? I fucking love it. I like, love yeah. it! I love yes, it. Yes, it is. This is crazy. That's hard for... Dude, as a 30-fucking-one-year-old individual, like, I've worked hard to have presence of mind to know when I've said something that's fucked up and to try to try to be the kind of person who apologizes. That's hard for anybody to do, let alone when you're trying to raise fucking kids. And you gotta talk. You gotta apologize to them when the next week you're gonna have to fucking punish them again somehow. You know what I mean? Like one big time, ups. one time my dad took us to an Indians game in Cleveland, and this lady wouldn't let him off the off the ramp onto the highway, and we had like it was fucking intense. And there was me and my three sisters and my mom in our van, and my dad leaned over. My mom was just giving this lady the bird like so hard, and it, it like you know my my dad's like this gentle, sweet, jovial man, but he fucking lost it. And he was just flipping her off. And we pulled over. We go. I remember we go to eat at a Crackle Barrel. It's really quiet. Crack, crackle Barrel. And my dad just, just like, he just goes, I just want to apologize for my actions. That was not right. I should not have done that. And we were like, Dad, it's fine. He goes, it is not okay. Yeah. And it fucking reminded me of that childhood Rick. memory. My dad Woo! apologizing. Yep. Shout out to Rick. You got a good Boy. dad. You got a good I dad. Do. I really do. Uh, so my wrapping up my thoughts, I want to put a bookend on Richie. He uh, introduces us to Jackie Jr., who is important later. That guy's fucking hate that fucking guy. Ugh, I know Jackie Jr. What a fucking smug piece of shit. Ebag. Also, it's just the, the irony that that Jack that uh we think that Pavardi. I'm just gonna call her Pavardi. <laughs> <laughs> Pavardi slash Janice is having this coming of age moment. She's back in New Jersey. She's found love, and then she kills her, her, uh, her fiance, and heads on a bus back to Seattle. It's just fucking perfect, and a great and like nobody gets past Tony Soprano, and his family fucking took care of it for him in a roundabout way. And I love the moment when uh, Tony's like, he's kind of low key telling Carmen like where he's been all night and shit. And he's like, don't, don't, after all these years, don't let me make you an accessory after the after fact. After the fact, yeah. And Carm kind of realizes, she goes, it's not a marriage in heaven. Or I, not a marriage and made in happiness. Yeah, something. yeah. And I didn't, oh, that gone. <laughs> like, <laughs> but she's like, rolls with it. Like, she's used to it. Which is so, like, dude, okay. One thing, Carm, Carm's character has a big turning moment in this season two. When, well, she flexes her gangster when Meadow needs to get into Georgetown. And she says, 
I bought you a regard pie, and I'm just asking you to write a letter for my little daughter so she can get into Georgetown. And then, you know, she gets a little pushback, and then she just looks at that lady stone fucking cold and says, I want you to write the letter. Guess what happens? She writes the fucking letter, and then Carmela is like, not, not only, right? That's, that's what I mean. She moves into gangster mode. Not only does she get the letter, I need a copy. Yeah. <laughs> she forces her to give her a copy of the letter. It's so fucking hilarious. And then Meadow doesn't even want to go to Georgetown. She fucking goes to Columbia. Carmela needs her fucking moments too. Yeah. She's ill needed. My, my favorite Carmela gangster moment is that end scene. When she tells Tony that she's going oh, to Italy yeah. with Rosalie April, and throughout the the we didn't really touch on the Gumar storyline because that shit, uh, save for a save for a couple uh, other Gumars throughout the series, this one's just so fucking annoying and like doesn't really serve a purpose. Um, her I'm sure it does. relative with the one leg is kind of cool though. I I mean I, I, I feel like, like cigarettes with her. I like her. I would take a couple shots of vodka with her too. Yeah, I do that. I like for it. sure. Yeah. So anyway, Carmela decides she's again she's going to Italy and not for three days for three weeks. And she says, "Tony, it's, oh again, oh I'm sorry." The Gumar comes in in and out so much because she uh, attempts suicide, and so Tony goes and helps her out. And Carmela finds all these things out that he said he quit, and then he went back because she had to, she tried to kill herself. So anyway, here we are. End of the episode. Carmela's like going to three weeks with Rosalie April. While I'm gone, you're gonna need to show for AJ around his appointments, and you need to find a tennis club for Meadow this summer. And I really need you to do it, Tony, because if you don't, I just might kill myself. And it's just like, and he's just, he's got this look. Tony's like this. Yep, I got hat. <laughs> oh, I got hat. I just been up all night. <laughs> Chopping up a dead body and helping my sister uh, get away with murder in my mother's house. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. Highlight. Comedy highlight. Livia coming down the stairs in the automated. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. So Liv- funny. Olivia. Uh, I, yeah. I got a couple, two more quotes I wanted to share. When he's laying in bed with the Gumar and she hears, what are you reading? And she's got this thick Russian accent. And she says, um, chicken soup for soul. And he said, why don't you be tomato sauce for your ass? That's the Italian version. <laughs> I know. It's good stuff. Uh, my Okay, my favorite Tony comedy moment is at the, when Janice is going to Seattle. And what you yeah. do with his body? He's oh, like, yeah. we, put him on we a buried hill. him on a hill by a river with pine cones all around. You did? <laughs> Fucking Janice idiot. No. No. <laughs> We didn't, Janice. Go to fucking Seattle. And don't uh, fucking come back. Yeah. Oh, she comes back. Uh, God, she's such the annoying sister. So the annoying sister. I love their relationship. Uh, the other quote, the last one is uh, when uh, Pussy and um, Tony are killing Boy Meets World for the hit on, on Christopher. <laughs> and they give him a soda. And he, and he is like, all I got's diet. Is that okay? And uh, he's, he's he's like chugging the drink, and Tony's like, "You sure you don't want something with sugar in it?" And like they keep talking to him, and he finally like is like, "Sure you okay with that?" He goes, "Yeah, it's fine. It's so good, Tony. Thanks." He goes, "Good." And the quote is, "Cause that sugarless motherfucker, that's the last drink you're ever gonna have." Bah, 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 bah. <laughs> 
I made you drink a diet soda before I killed you. Fuck you. Oh, God. It's it's a great show. And there's a lot of good comedy in this one. And if I can't, I, I'm going to point out my two favorite things in the whole season. They're real, real brief. They're both sounds. Right? Mm. My favorite comedic sound is when Tony has food poisoning. Every time he runs to the bathroom, there's this giant fart noise. <laughs> 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 and it's so clearly like piped in, but it's just like the like greatest. Like, it's like it's like you hear the like initial barf, like, and then a few seconds later, it's just giant like <laughs> like fart noises coming out of the bathroom, and it cracks me up because it happens like four or five times. And it's just I don't know. It's fucking fucking funny. And funny. Everyone my favorite it. thing though is a device they use in that dream because in the second to last episode or no in the last episode excuse me i mean the majority of the episode exists in a dream right like at least 50% of it and there's this tell there's a tale for when you're in the dream world and when you're not sorry a the, what a tale like you know you're you're tipping something off if there's a tip a tell a tell yeah whatever okay make fun of me fuck a tale so there's a tail when he's doing a thing. Um, so anyway, it's the sound of the dock on the boardwalk. The sound of the dock that they're on creaking and like swaying with the ocean is in the background of all of the dream sequences. And it's this beautiful fucking sound that like when you're even when you're on a pier, like the force of the ocean is intense. And like you hear that sound and you eat. It's like your brain understands that that ocean is moving what you're standing on. It might not be going anywhere, right? But it's fucking moving, and it makes you think about it. And I love that they use that sound in that dream and throughout those dream sequences. It might be one of my favorite parts of the whole fucking show, the whole very, season two. So besides cool. Furio's very. shirts. Oh, oh, okay. before we go, I want to wrap up with a message from Melfi because Ooh. it's how the season ends, and it's really interesting. Yeah. But we discovered last episode... That you, your character, if you took the BuzzFeed personality, which uh, Sopranos character are you? You are still, you're my conciliary. You're my sounding board. Thank mm -hmm. you. I love you. Yeah. I also have uh, C, sickness. Can't do that shit. Still gotcha. suffers from that. I can see you getting job. angry. Do you getting angry while gambling? Do you have a temper? Highly competitive situations I could flare. Yes. Uh, you discovered who my person is. Would you care to break that down for our listeners? <laughs> you fuck a Furio. Chase is Furio, folks. Furio is a fashionable ass motherfucker. Okay, and he like he know he's an effective gangster. Okay, he's loyal to Tony, and he knows how to put a bullet in someone's kneecap to get the money when he needs the fucking money. And he's fucking, and I love that he like makes fun of Matt and Sean again, the fucking idiots. He takes the extra thousand dollars. He's like, he like looks at their underwear. There's like this shitty ass stuff. And he looks, looks at the other guy. And he's like, these two suck each other's cocks. And they say it in Italian. And they're like, what'd you say? What'd you say? And he just grabs his cheeks. And <laughs> fucking Furio is a badass dude. And he's got this look in his eye. That's what. That's why you're Furio, because Furios get this look in his eye, like I'm gonna go a little crazy here if you if somebody doesn't rein me back in a little bit. I didn't know how to feel about it at first, but I like it. I'll take yeah. it. Yeah, fucking. Plus he's a, plus you know 
Fury's got that wild spirit, and plus he crushes on Carm. Oh, sweet spoiler alert. And we all know that you've got a crush on Carm. It's like whether you want to admit it or not, you're crushing on Carm a little bit. Big time. Big time. Um so real quick before we close with the message from Melfi, the ending song. Do you do you, can you envision that in your head? Yeah, I know exactly what it is. I you, please take it because I can't tell you who it is or what it is, but I know that song and I know I've heard it a lot. It's a Rolling Stones song. Okay. But it's Keith Richards singing. Ah, yes. It's from a 94 album called Voodoo Lounge, which mm. honestly, fuck the Rolling Stones past 1981. Seriously, like, get the fuck out of here. But I just thought that was an interesting choice because you're like, who the fuck is that? It wouldn't be like a mix singing a song. Like, it's Keith Richards' cigarette strain fucking, it's just interesting with a pingy guitar. Really yeah. interesting. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was yeah. cool. This show has the best, like, ending scenes for seasons. Not season finales. Like, those are also great and everything. But the ending montages and shit, mm-hmm. they're so good. Mm-hmm. So good. Such mm-hmm. effective choices with music and yeah, that, really good. So at the end of the season, Melfi has like a breakthrough with Tony where he's he's under a lot of pressure about possibly getting arrested. And Melfi just keeps bringing it back to his mom. She's like, you know, a year ago, your mom tried to kill you and you just like brushed it off like it was nothing. I've sensed sorrow in you. And she kind of says, you know, I've been treating you for a year and a half now. And I noticed this pattern of sorrow and she's trying to get into Tony. And once again, Tony just I just I wanted to close with the message from Melfi because she's not in this episode a lot. They're in this season nearly as much as she is the first one. But she kind of brings it home in the last episode. She's like, yeah, we weren't together this season a lot because you were avoiding me because I sense the sorrow in you. And what does Tony do? Singing Buddy Holly, walking out. I don't fucking mm-hmm. need this shit. I'm fine. I don't, the mom stuff doesn't bother me anymore. Like blah, blah, blah. And it's kind of the absence of Melfi in the season is acknowledged in her presence in the last few moments of the fi- final episode. Yeah. I just thought that was, I just thought that was interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And then, yeah. And she, you know, it's a complex thing for her too, you know? So it, the big moments. No, I, this show's got a lot of style, man. That's really what it comes mm. down to. Is they know what they're doing when it when when they're making. They they really, I think, kind of. They really, you know, they. A lot of people would say that the only way to make something new anymore is to combine two things that have already been made or multiple things that have already been made. Like you can't have just like a fresh thing that no one's ever thought of. It's got to be like a remix of something, and. It's interesting to me because they kind of set the standard for what good television is and can be because they combined elements from so many different types of storytelling and mostly from like, you know, cinematic theatrical drama and then bringing in that like half an hour sitcom vibe. Combining those things just created a, a, a mix that works. And I think that's what the show fucking does so well. I think it's cool for every one of these bonus apps. We just try and flesh out why it's great. And we kind of like last episode, we touched on what you just said, but I think we're getting closer to the message of why it resonates and why it is excellent. And again, I'm glad you touched on like the sitcom part of it. The show is entertaining. It is fantastical, but it's also relatable. So mm-hmm. it has the, all of those elements. Um, it's a dynamic program. And I'm yeah. excited for season three, man. 
Fuck yeah. Our characters are going to get more in-depth. Storylines are going to keep coming at us. The Popping show just gets, it just gets richer. It just gets it better does. and better and better and better. It does. Yeah, absolutely. We'll be back for number three. Number three coming at you. Thanks for listening, y'all. Boom.